is Olivia Berkman, and welcome to Balance Sheet. As I continue interviewing experts and leaders, I've been slowly coming to an interesting realization. Balance is kind of BS. Most of the ideas we have about balance anyway. It's not about compartmentalizing or productivity hacks or schedules or even self-care. In fact, today's guest would tell you those things are actually preventing us from reaching the real goal, which is not exactly balance, but fulfillment. In this episode, I spoke with the president of the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching, Luke Iorio. Luke and I talk about how self-care is oftentimes self-centered care and the surprising signs of burnout. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Luke as much as I did. Luke, you and I met virtually, but we met through your good friend, Jason, who is at um, ADP, and he and I had met for coffee to talk about content for FEI Daily, and Jason and I just vibed, for lack of a better word. I'm sure people are cringing that I just used the word vibe, but um, we vibed and we sat there for well over an hour and he actually invited me to your meditation circle that you do, I believe, every other Thursday at your home. And I know now the meditation circle is happening virtually. I haven't been able to attend because it is at seven o'clock and that's just about exactly when I and give Julian Julian a bath. Um, <laughs> but tell me uh, how that started and how it's, you know, kind of what it's become. The, the long story that I'll try to keep as short as I can just to kind of to tie it all together. Uh, I had, a, I guess it's probably about maybe seven or eight years ago. Uh, I had already been meditating at this point. I guess I've actually been meditating for probably about 12, 13 years, I guess. And it was about seven or eight years ago that I shifted more towards a focus in mindfulness and started to head down that path. Uh, as I did, it was then about five or so, six years ago that I started to really formalize that path, uh, take trainings in mindfulness and meditation and in compassion work and all sorts of different things, largely just to deepen my own practice. It really was not my intention to teach. And as I went down that path, there were so many things that fed so well into what I I do as my, my day job professionally inside of the world of coaching. It fit so well with so much of what I was doing. And I was having such incredible personal results from meditation that uh, the way that a, a meditation circle actually began was that I had some some friends and some neighbors, uh, some clients who were reaching out to me saying, you know, we can see such an incredible difference of what's going on. And you've told us a little bit about this, a little about that. Tell us more. How do we do this? What, you know, what's the background of it? And so those conversations just kind of kept coming around and I finally decided I would start a, a just a, it's really just a private meditation circle um, that's out of literally, like you said, out of my house uh, so that a couple of close friends and, and colleagues and neighbors could get together, could learn more about meditation, uh, would have somebody there as a guide for them to kind of go through the process. And it, it has grown a bit, even though I still hold it when we're not in a virtual environment, hold it out of my house. And it's just been kind of word of mouth really from that regard. It's been really kind of grassroots, but there's a lot of interest in, in this type of work right now. And I'm glad you're saying this because I think a lot of people think that meditation is sitting in a dark room on a pillow, um, being quiet for a couple of minutes. And, um, it's, and I don't want to say this and discourage people from trying it, but it is harder than, than you might think it is. I've gone through periods where, um, I'm trying to meditate every day. And then I go through periods where I think that I'm too busy to meditate. My husband meditates every day. Uh, and, 
at times when he isn't meditating, I can tell. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, his fuse is shorter, I'll say. Yep. <laughs> but but it is a practice. Exactly. As I learned, and it's funny because you you know you even use the the statement of at times I I just feel like maybe I'm too busy to meditate or what have you. I have thrown every excuse I could come up with at the idea of not meditating. And I did it for so many years. And uh, it was actually my first teacher. It, what finally I responded to was he was simply one of the most chill, calm and balanced human beings I had ever known. And he had meditated for like 40 years. And so uh, it just kind of moved me into that direction. Then as I, I did move into that direction, the number of myths, misconceptions, uh, so easy to kind of go off on a different path and not connect with the idea of meditation because of those tougher experiences, to have a guide, to have a community, to have other people that are stumbling through it as well. It, it makes a big difference uh, as well as just having that, that practice, meaning that consistency of a place to return home to so that if you do get a little off course, you've got this kind of group that you can easily come back to that, that helps you get back on the path that you had committed yourself towards. Absolutely. Well, we named this podcast balance sheet because I really wanted to talk to people about how to find balance in their lives between work and their home life. And now, of course, most of us, um, are the, the two the same. are, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think it's, it's giving us an opportunity to reinterpret balance. So I want to start by asking you what most people think of when they think of the expression work-life balance. Yeah, you know, I, I almost think of uh, the scales of justice, right? And everybody's got like these scales and they're trying to weigh all the different parts of their life. So they all come to this perfect, uh, perfect balance. And uh, or even just that conception of, OK, I'm going to look at my schedule and I'm going to divide it up into all of these just perfectly timed little chunks to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And it's just, it, there's no wonder why so many people are, they're burnt out on the idea of balance and they're just frustrated by it because we create this just unrealistic expectation of what it is. And so to, to flip it around in terms of, of a different way, and there's a lot of components to this, but I'll just use one component for the moment, is that to me, balance is much more, you know, I think of it as, as surfing, much more than trying to pe- you know keep all the scales just in the right balance. You know, you've got a surfer that, has an incredible, you know, balance that they've got on their board, but the waves are breaking and crashing and rolling and moving in every which direction. And yet they're moving in a balanced way in a, in a way that's in harmony with the way in which life is moving around. And I think that's more of the mindset and the consciousness that is going to serve us because we, you know, th- that, that false notion that we can divide up our calendar, let's say into all these equal chunks it's discounting the fact that life has its own rules. <laughs> life is not going to correspond to the way we divide up our calendar. It's going gonna, it's gonna to break. It's going to roll. It's going to crash. Balance to me is actually being able to ride that and do so in a manner that actually has a little bit of fun and engagement and joy in it. So you mentioned divvying up your calendar or maybe these productivity hacks that we're always hearing about. What are some of the other things that we are doing to find balance that probably are not actually helping us achieve balance? I mean, overscheduling or dividing up our schedule into all of these different parts. Usually it just is not going to fly that way. I think actually even that idea of almost overscheduling is something that also happens, meaning, you know, how can we find a way to be the most efficient we can be in all of these different areas, all these life hacks and efficiency hacks, everything else. And balance doesn't stem from there. Anything that we do that we believe is going to give us perceived control over our schedule or over our life is the type of activity that we believe moves us towards balance, right? Those all of those processes are a different form of 
like I said, perceived control, uh, false control in many, in many ways. And what, what we do have to take a look at is that so much of, of balance actually comes from a process of simplification as opposed to complication. And so a lot of these things that we're doing to, to try to, you know, cordon off different parts of our life so that we have equal parts time with our family and to work out and to eat nutritiously and to, to do all these things, it's, it's working against us. And instead it's how is it that we can start moving more simply and kind of building from the ground up in that regard, that is going to be a lot more of a successful path for us. You know, I, I laugh when I, I mention the idea of like nutrition and diet, because it's, it's, we think part of balance is all of these different components of our life, right? So the family relationships and the relationship with our spouse is different than the one with our children. And it's the community relationships we have, and we've got to get enough exercise and we need to diet. And we need to do all of the, we still need to have downtime. We still need to take vacations. We've got to do all these things right around our work schedule as well, because obviously that's kind of a big piece here. And so we've got all of these different components and we then try to take all of it on at once. That's another thing that we're doing is like trying to balance all of the plates in the spinning plates all at the exact same time. It's just, it's not going to work that way. It's funny. I listened to a, a podcast about being a mom and they had a, a guest on and sh- and somebody asked her, how do you focus on self-care? And she was like, self-care is so, like the concept is oppressive. <laughs> and I thought that's so funny because this whole weight that we put on self-care now is another thing that we've put on our plates in this effort to have it all. I love the, I love just the way that she's starting to kind of poke it at that notion. I say this and maybe it's a little more crass way to say it, but a lot of the self-care has become self-centered care. And that idea of self-centered is the reverse of what it was meant to do because it's supposed to produce a centered self. And that's actually when we talk about self-care, why are we doing self-care? What are the things that we're trying to do to restore balance, to restore that sense of being centered or grounded within our lives? And so we're doing all of these things to create that. When, if you want to create that, stop doing. (laughs) It's actually quite the reverse. Uh, Simplify as much as you possibly can. How do you know if there is imbalance in your life? What are kind of the telltale signs? Yeah, there's there's a lot. People getting a read on on their stress level is, you know, is one of the very first key things. Uh, and, and by that, that that stress can take on a lot of different forms. So many of us are familiar with the physical signs of stress. Uh, we may we may actually have some some physical ailments, some health ailments that are high blood pressure, those types of things. Uh, certainly that's part of it. Uh, that idea that maybe even the notion of taking a deep breath is something that that you haven't even thought of in a while, uh, because you when you do take a deep breath, you can actually feel the tightness, the constriction that exists inside of your body. So that type of tension you might be walking around with, those are physical cues for it. Uh, but stress is not only a physical thing. You've got social stress and you've got mental stress and you've got emotional stress. Those are also, and, and I would say usually even actually more clear signs. So when you find that you can't shut your mind off, like your mind is just constantly going and it's not even going in the same direction. It's going in a million different directions at a given time. That's a sign that your mind literally can't keep up. If you're having challenges focusing, if you're having challenges concentrating for an extended period of time, chances are there's probably too much on the plate and there's probably too many plates that are spinning at, at that particular moment. From an emotional standpoint, you know, you use the the phrase of a short fuse. That's a great one, honestly, because that's a that is a sign that what's coming at us is not emotionally processing at the either the speed or the fluency that it's used to. And so we're reacting quicker. 
because our mind wants to jump in so we don't have to feel that discomfort or that pain. So, I mean, these are just some of the, the, you know, the mental, the emotional, as well as the physical cues. Obviously, the emotional does relate to some social cues as well, because honestly, it's usually relationships that bring up some of those emotional cues pretty quickly for us. Those are some of the, you know, just some of the signs of it. Honestly, the way that you can summarize all of it, if you are feeling discord, if you're feeling dissonance, inside of your body, inside your stomach, inside your solar plexus. If you can feel that knot that is there or that tension or that stirring or those anxious butterflies, all of those are really, really good signs. There's some imbalance going on there. And so everything I just mentioned usually gets summarized by that feeling of dissonance. Mm -hmm. Now you work with high level executives. How do you help that specific group? You know, people who have a lot of responsibility, a lot of pressure. How do you help them find fulfillment at work and in their home lives? How do you help them simplify? Well, you started to actually provide some of the, the first clue to it is that why are most people trying to find balance? It's not for the sake of balance. It's for the sake of fulfillment. That's why we're trying to do this is we want to feel a greater sense of fulfillment that stems from the work and the relationships and all of the things that we have gotten ourselves into. Most of those have been taken on because we didn't know how to get to fulfillment. And so we just keep trying and spinning the plates and see which one is going to work for us. And so usually one of those ways of simplifying is actually getting people just really clear on what are you actually, what's the real goal of what it is that you are after at any given time? I used already the example that balance is not the goal. Fulfillment is the goal. Balance is the strategy that helps you achieve that goal. Uh, So we want to look at when somebody is saying that I want to advance in my career, or I want to make more money, or I want to do all these types of things. What's the real reason behind that? What's the real motivation? What do we think that that's going to produce? Because once we get clear on what you're really actually trying to create for yourself, it becomes a lot easier to say, wait a minute, these things I'm trying over here, they're not in alignment with that. That's actually just keeping me busy or keeping me distracted or, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just something that, that's keeping me off track from where I'm really trying to align myself to. And so then that's the second part of it is that once we get clear on the goal, then it's creating alignment. And when you create that alignment, like I said, there's things that are going to fall away. And then there's going to be things that are very clear that are aligned with the path that you want to take, that get you to the experience of life, the real motivation behind the goals that you have and connect you to that. And then what are the routines and what are the habits and what are the rituals that are going to support staying in alignment? There's two sides of my work. There's the work that I do with clients. There's also the work that I do uh, as the president of uh, IPEC, the the coach training school uh, that I'm a partner at. And you've got the skills side of this. You've got the consciousness side of this. You've got many different aspects that go into trying to create. It's ironic, you know, right? There's a lot to do to simplify, uh, but there is. And because that simplification comes from us being able to be highly aware of what we're after, aware of what keeps us on that track to stay aligned, aware of the rituals, behaviors that support that. And then what are the skills that we may need to help maintain that discipline or to also be agile as our circumstances change, but we still want to stay in alignment with what we're actually after. And there's ways of navigating through that as well. If somebody is unhappy in their job, you're you're speaking with someone and you're gathering that they're unhappy in their role, they're unhappy at their company. Is it possible to find fulfillment if you're in that position at your job? I think that's a, a rather poignant question for where we are as a society right now, even before the kind of the health crisis that we have gone uh, into. The funny thing is, is that when, for instance, some of the career coaching I've done and, and what we've trained on, 
one of the first things you want to do with somebody who wants to switch their job is actually get them comfortable and content in the job that they're in. It's the old phrase of wherever you go, there you are. You don't want to change to a new situation only to recreate the pain that you were already in because you're just bringing your baggage with you. You're just bringing all of the, right, the perceptions, the emotions, and the connections, the attachments. And so one of the first things we want to do is take a look at the situation they happen to be in and start to peel back. What are the real sources of friction that are occurring that has you feeling unfulfilled? When you originally took this on, what was it? that you saw in this position or in this company or in this work that connected you to a deeper feeling that this was going to be good for you, or this was going to bring something out of you. What are some of the natural values and and strengths that you have that for one reason or another, maybe you're not using right now, not because nobody ever told you to, it's just because you fell into a rut and fell into the conditioning of this is the way we do things. And you left part of who you are on the side, not realizing there was no reason why you couldn't bring that to work with you. Uh, you know, so there's, there's a lot of those types of things that we can look at first for somebody to really, truly feel like they are authentically aligning to who they are, showing up in the way that really expresses and is in alignment with with that person, with that leader, that professional that they are. Put that out there so that they're showing up, they're engaging the way that they wish to, and then decide, is my environment a match for that? The challenge is that most people change the environment and they don't actually go back and change themselves. It begins with looking at yourself and figuring out how do I find that authenticity, that resonance within myself, and then start to match the outer circumstances to it. That's a great point. You made me think about the author, uh, Lori Gottlieb. She's a psychologist. She wrote that book, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. I don't know if you read it. Yes. yes. So I'm a big fan of that book. Um, And I've been listening to some interviews with her. And she um, loves to say, if a fight breaks out at every bar, you go to maybe two. (laughs) (laughs) And it's true. At some point, you have to look inward. And (laughs) it's it's funny because we from this is from the the coach training side of what I do. We had for quite a number of years worked inside of the uh, the education field. And we had a lot of educational leaders and and still do through some partners that that come through and take different programs with us. And when they went through even just the first weekend, it was this really funny experience where they were taking it because it was in alignment with their like leadership development plans to to be teachers and and superintendents and all this. Day one, they'd walk away with, oh my God, I've got to quit my job. This is awful. This is terrible. This is a shambles. I, I don't belong here anymore. By day two, they're like, huh, Maybe there's something else here by day three. Like, I can't wait to get back to work. I can see how this all fits together. And I've got so much. So it's, it's, it's a process that we go through. Uh, and I don't just mean what we trained. I mean, as life, a process that we, we kind of go through that reconnects us to who we are. And once we're there, once we're more clear on that, all of a sudden we can start to see things that actually were around us in the existing environment that we didn't realize were still there. And now all of a sudden we start leaning into those things and we find that purpose and that passion and that joy that we previously had. That's actually, we hear that just as often as we hear people end up changing their jobs. It really truly is. It's all about how do you get that person into that centered state, that balanced state, that authentic self. And then all of a sudden the outer world just looks totally different to them, even though it's been the same outer world all along. 
Speaking of turning inward, when we spoke earlier, you mentioned that you weren't listening to podcasts right now, which does not bode well for this episode. (laughs) But uh, tell me about what you're doing instead to decompress during these crazy, stressful times. It it is the funny thing because, you know, here we are. We're on a podcast. I run a podcast. uh, And to be honest, I have I have been a huge and avid podcast listener for so long. uh, And there's some really great ones, really, really great ones that are out there. Uh, But I did I made uh, a, a commitment really to myself. Myself, um, over these last several weeks where I wanted to start turning within because the time that we find ourselves in, and, and we're even seeing this and not to pick on some brand name companies because they, they certainly do some really great things too. But the reason why you're seeing an uptick in the stock prices of companies like Netflix is that people are literally looking for distraction. They want to be absent from what they're experiencing. I different conversation, maybe for another day. I think that's a big part of why we are where we are, <laughs> culturally speaking. We have been so fraught with the idea of disconnecting from the discomfort that we are experiencing inside of our lives, that we have built up all of these walls and all of these boundaries and all of these different things that we do to keep ourselves from feeling badly. And there's actually a lot of insight and wisdom and even joy that can come from processing those difficult times. There's also a tremendous amount of wisdom that can be gained from turning within and recognizing you don't need the advice of others. You don't need somebody else to follow. You don't need somebody else to tell you it's going to be okay. You can actually find a lot of that within yourself. And when you go further within, you not only get insight to those wisdoms, but the way that you get there is you just simply become more present with your life. And you become present to the different experiences that you're having. And those experiences, whether they are on the up or the down, whether they are full of joy or full of sorrow, you recognize you can just be present with and connect to those experiences for what they are at that moment in time. And so I decided that I wanted to use a lot of the time that we find ourselves in to introduce more silence, more stillness. And uh, I've, I've, you know, I'm meditating more than I ever have. I'm going on quiet walks. If I have earbuds in, it's because I'm listening to uh, usually instrumental music. Uh, I'm actually not even, I'm trying not to even listen to much music that has lyrics and stuff to it right now, just to keep my focus within the experience and being present to the experience that we're in right now. I love that. I woke up the other day and I, and I thought, this is kind of sad to say this, but I thought to myself, like, why don't you just try to not be on your phone for this day? Obviously I, I'm working, so I have to check email, but during the, the time when you're with Julian, don't pick up your phone, just be in the present in the moment with him. So you've given me a lot to, to think about actually. And I, I think I might attempt a, uh, a kind of information cleanse myself. Yeah, it's, it is. It is kind of a form of detoxing, right? So detoxing from from the digital world, detoxing from information overload. Uh, and you know, the only thing I just I'd offer to you, I'd offer to anybody listening, is is that you say it as a little bit of you know, I kind of sad to say this. Well, you know, these smartphones we walk around with, these weapons of mass distraction that we walk around with, and the news media and social media and everything else, they are designed to elicit an emotional nervous system response, chemical responses in us, so that we get addicted to them. If you're not aware of that, don't feel bad about how difficult it can be to put these down because they literally have designed them to be difficult to put down. But it also is why we need to put them down. Exactly. <laughs> and we need to and and that if that means throwing it in a, you know, throwing it in a drawer for the evening, whether it means going out without any device on you and oh my goodness, actually listening to nature. It's connecting to those types of moments and if it's a little difficult to do, don't get hard on yourself. Just 
keep trying. And if there's an accountability buddy you can put in place or otherwise, because when you create that little bit of space, that little extra presence, that moment where, you know, you're just there with, with your baby on your chest, when you're just out in nature and you can hear the birds call and the leaves rustling, when you have just these little moments of presence, it is all worth it. And it'll make it so much easier the next time to say, yep, I'm okay. Just leaving that in the drawer. I love that. Well, Luke, I want to thank you for a very enlightening and thoughtful conversation and also for your podcasting advice, because when we first met, you told me to be open to the podcast evolving. And that has really helped me to take some of that perfectionist pressure that I put on myself. Uh, So I want to thank you for that. I'm glad you heard it that way and took it that way. I did. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Olivia.